we're back. That was Rock On by Michael Damien. Michael, be at the uh, Civic Center this weekend. Two sold-out shows, or as they say, partially sold-out shows, uh, coming down right after the uh, the youth goat roping competition. Boy, the traffic's really piling up out there today on the 405. We have a manure truck that's overturned and it's backing up traffic for three miles. You may want to divert yourself around that. Take the 102 to the 23 and cut over on Grand Avenue. Get yourself around that mess. It's a real dung heap out there. Be sure to come out and see us this weekend at the Bastrop County Goat Roping Competition. We'll be uh, have our booth out there. And the uh, Mix 101 van giving out free prizes. Come by the cash booth, grab all the cash you can get, and uh, maybe take a turn on the uh, mutton busting. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have a little fun along the way. I am Chris Boyer, and I am joined by my co-host, Reed Smith. Reed is a digital strategist, a social media expert, and altogether really kind of cool guy that lives down in Texas. You can find him online uh, through most of his social channels or with his name, Reed Smith. And you can also see his website at socialhealthinstitute.com. Reed, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good. Good, good, good. I am in uh, I am in Texas. I'm in Houston, Texas today, strangely enough. It's a recording. And who you just heard from is the other half, uh, Chris Boyer. You can, uh, like myself, find him online at ChristopherBoyer.com, uh, where he writes and talks about his days of working with hospitals and healthcare organizations. This episode of Touchpoint is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Transparently. Transparently is the nation's fastest growing platform for gathering and publishing physician star ratings and reviews. You can visit transparently.com to learn why the country's most innovative health systems are choosing them to power a better digital patient experience. Again, to learn more, visit them online at transparently.com. Hey, real quick before we get started, uh, much appreciation to everybody uh, up to this point. Uh, We certainly appreciate the continued uh, loyalty. As you're out and about, uh, if you would recommend this to a friend, that would be uh, super helpful. And then also, um, if you if you make your way over to iTunes, uh, leave us a little uh, rating and review would be uh, much appreciated as well. Yeah, we'd really appreciate that. That's awesome. So, Reed, today's podcast topic is kind of an interesting one. It's about sort of the evolution of marketing in hospitals and how we've seen uh, things change over the years and kind of what the expectations are now of people within the organization when they're working with marketers and digital marketers in our space. Yeah, I think uh, this is somewhat interesting in the sense that, you know, we talk a lot about how technologies have changed, but I don't know that we've ever specifically talked about the role of marketing more from the expectation of everybody else, primarily the C-suite, and and what the expectation is of marketing. Well, and since we've both been in this space for a very long time, we have seen this role change significantly. 
Yeah, so I I took my first job as the director of marketing of a hospital in 2003. So going on uh, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah, or we'll be 15 years before too much longer, I guess, as fast as my weeks go. And it's interesting, I you know, just kind of getting ready for this and going through some of the show preparation, thinking back to 2003, you know, it's like you think about – like what you were actually hired to do. What mm-hmm. was that? And so, you know, I think about that. And, and of course, this was a small hospital in, in Texas. And so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was going to some, you know, huge system. But but even in that, you know, a lot of what I was really hired to do was probably community relations, not marketing so much, and probably advertising and, you know, probably some internal communications, not marketing. And so, and those are those are nice ways to say that you know I went to ribbon cuttings and groundbreakings and you know made sure <laughs> flyers in the elevator you know looked nice and you know was in charge of the employee of the month ceremony and you know those types of things and I don't want to discount any of that stuff because that was I think back very fondly on that on that time in my life and and that was a lot of fun that job was was great I learned a lot and had uh, had a great men- couple of great mentors as, as CEOs. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think, you know, I think I even mentioned this on the last podcast that when I got there, the digital camera that we had held eight pictures. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this huge, like, I felt like I was going through some capital request process to get mm-hmm. a new digital camera that held like 200, 300. Right. You know, I was like, whoa, what do like, how would you even take 300 pictures? You know, now <laughs> I've got like 1700 on my iPhone or something, but you know, and this is 2003. That was well before Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. And, and when I kind of entered in the, in the space with hospitals and health systems, I was right there when Twitter, when Facebook suddenly started to be something that was talked about at the very edges. And that's how you and I got to know each other, right? Yeah. On Twitter, where we were starting to talk about these things. But even then, you know, it was completely foreign. And now we look, flash forward to today, and marketing is truly in a different perspective from within the organization. At least I would say that in some organizations, there may be some smaller rural hospitals or even larger hospitals that today they they may see marketing as more of what you were describing, like communications focused, more, you know, focused on promotion only, advertising stuff only. Yeah, and that's that's very much what what I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. at the very least, you know, ordering promotional products and placing ads with with some of the local companies like radio stations mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, I was not involved in, hey, where are we going to open the next, you know, rural health clinic? Right. You know, that that was not that was not really a conversation I was part of, you know, strategically. And, and you know, I was I was young and so I'm not I'm not saying that I should have been necessarily at the time. I did spend a fair amount of time rebranding the hospital. That was one of the bigger projects I worked mm-hmm. on when I was there. And so that was great. But again, that's that's kind of on the advertising side of the equation to some degree. I wasn't too terribly involved other than, you know, helping on some of the reporting pieces you know, around patient satisfaction or, or experience, I guess, you know, is kind of what that would have been. We called it patient satisfaction, obviously. And when you look at it, Reed, right, nowadays, we're becoming more sophisticated with marketing in our organizations. Uh, one of the things that we still struggle with a little bit is that we're still in a very siloed 
organization. If you think about it, there's some clear silos that happen within hospitals. And we've talked about a lot of these before, right? For example, the silo between clinical and marketing and how that that's really hard to overcome because quite frankly, we, we have our clinical experts, our doctors, our, our nurses that understand care flows and care pathways. And it's only recently that marketing has kind of come of its own. Uh, you know, usually they would bring you in and say, well, we just open up this new unit, promote it. Now we're becoming more involved with saying, hey, we have some more strategic information. We're bringing some uh, information back about how people are flowing through the, the websites. We also have like a different silo around patient access. When I first started, the call center wasn't even in the marketing and communications department. The call center that's on the website, I say on the website, they didn't even publish the phone number on the website. You know, the first hospital I worked at didn't have the phone number for the call center published. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a call center when I I started. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of that's evolved. And so, all right, so what are some of those elements that are now part of marketing that historically have not been? You know, so social media is one of those, but that's because it didn't exist. Right. You know, so you're, you know it, whatever, however many years you want to go back. You know, I would say uh, something else that falls underneath there, at least in my mind and, and within a lot of organizations, is patient experience. You know, that that's starting to fall more kind of in that world. The call centers, um, you know, when we, so what we're doing is we're talking about various tactics or touch points, branding and uh, uh, managing the brand in the marketplace. In many, in some organizations, not many, uh, some are actually uh, addressing physician communications. So more of the physician outreach is starting to align more with marketing uh, because they realize that that's a marketing push, right? That they need to, mm-hmm. to start to embrace that. And I also see in some, Again, some it's it's interesting because it really is sort of like a spectrum of how organizations do this. Some marketing departments are also doing B two B outreach. They're kind of working with their clinically integrated networks now. A tighter alignment with foundation, perhaps. But you know, it still seems very siloed when we go to hospitals. It, it does, and I think some of that is it's grown over time because we have hired people with different expertise because we felt like we needed something in that area. Uh, digital is an easy one for that. Right. Uh, but I've seen more and more organizations break apart marketing and communications, you know, and really have kind of a communications, you know, piece and a marketing piece. And they, they're overseen by somebody at some level, but they're not really in the same department. We pull people out for internal communications, you know, and maybe that's a hybrid role between HR or something like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, it's almost like we've we've gone down this path of, you know, hiring subject matter experts, you know, to handle different parts of the organization. And that's almost like creating silos within your silo, right? If you think about it. And we've talked about that before, this whole concept of digital, the concept of a digital marketer. Is a digital marketer really just a marketer that knows digital? Or is a digital marketer, is that really just marketing and Mm -hmm. digital is the best place to do it at that point in time or something? Right. So let's think about some of the some of the strategies or, or, or general things that that marketing in a hospital typically does. There's a lot of patient acquisition work that marketing is considered to be responsible for within a hospital. Yeah. So gr- yeah, growth. Um, and so that could be done through advertising. It could be done through kind of word of mouth or that advocacy based side. And then there's like sort of the 
the brand and awareness? What is the perception of the brand, ma- managing the brand, even online reputation management? Yeah, yeah, online reputation management. That's yeah, that's something that didn't exist. Yeah, there was no way for anybody to give you any feedback except uh, you maybe had a form on the website or something like that. And then obviously, you know, patient satisfaction surveys that went mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, social media or kind of community management uh, is something else that falls underneath there. Also, m- starting to measure measurement analytics, starting to bring that back. I see that as more of a discipline now, now very specifically related to those other strategies that we just talked about, but even more so now using CRM to start to measure more complex long-term engagements. And that's where it starts to intersect a little bit with patient experience. What else? You know, I think marketing is playing more of a role um, around employee engagement as well. And so that kind of bleeds back into the advocacy piece, kind of an internal advocacy role, I guess. But, you know, pushing that messaging out to the employees and then also trying to highlight those folks, uh, kind of, you know, uh, more of a retention piece, I guess. And and then now we see marketing starting to work with strategic planning, which, which makes sense because mm-hmm. strategic planning really looks at you know, understanding where there may be opportunities to grow the organization, uh, and they're looking at acquisitions or, or maybe bringing in, in you know, uh, building new buildings or things of that nature, where they work very closely with the need, the population need, and so now bringing that and bringing marketing in to kind of help inform that and even support those strategies. I think that that's important. All right, so we rattled off a handful there, and, and there's a million more, I'm sure. But to kind of flip the, the viewpoint, I guess, a little bit, w- what is the expectation from the C-suite? That's evolving, too. You surfaced an article, read on CMO.com. It's a little bit older article yep. about what expectations CEO, CEOs want from their chief marketing officers. This is not healthcare-focused. This is just generally industry-focused, CEOs expecting of CMOs. So why don't we go through some of those? So, um, you know, a better focus around uh, the finance portion of the equation. You know, we talked, I guess, a couple of weeks ago about ROI. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of them. You know, before it was just you stay on budget. You're managing expenses, basically. There's no income portion. Uh, You know, that was probably one of the biggest things when when I first uh, got involved. Um, And so... No, nobody, you know, it was just manage expenses that you weren't expected as a marketing department as you bring in any money, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, again, now with analytics and some of the data that we have, I think we've got a better uh, a better ability to, you know, claim some of that. And so anyway, so focused on finances and being responsible for your marketing spend and, and, and you know, pay, since they look at marketing as traditionally a cost center to managing that cost as best as possible. All right. So, and then the uh, the second one on the list is um, you know the need for marketing to be a constant innovator. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things where trying to be you know predict the future, have that crystal ball. Um, you know, is a little bit tough at times. But I think the ability that we have again with marketing and as marketing's evolved is being able to know what customers want, being able to measure. Uh, and quantify what we're doing, and then potentially look at you know what are some ways that either we can save money, uh, we can come up with new ways to you know perform certain uh, 
you know, pieces of the organization. Uh, it'll allow, you know, have the ability to kind of experiment in there and, and see what works. There's even a quote in this article that says innovation includes expanding the brand to adjacent categories, mm-hmm. strategic partnerships, new marketing strategies and tools. So if you think about that, that's kind of where a little bit where strategic planning plays a role, where they're identifying adjacent areas, maybe partnerships, etc. Right. The third item on the list is talking about being a customer whisperer, understanding the customer. Now, we've talked about that a lot, in particular in our interview with Matt Gov and other people, being the person that understands how, what the customers want, understands their journey, being able to provide that information back to help better shift the offering to better improve the engagement. And then also number four, uh, a dedicated brand steward. So that means not letting anybody use your logo without the appropriate written consent, right? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, brand, and we've talked about this, obviously, has more to do uh, with the experience people have than it does the the colors and fonts and, you know, some of those types of things. And so, uh, you know, just really being the person that's in charge of that, that's keeping an eye on that, you know, making sure that, you know, you're, you're delivering on the promise that you're setting. Right. Number five is a social, being a social media maven. Social media, as we talked about before, is very different than other marketing tactics. Social media is community management. It's part online representation. Reputation is part service mm-hmm. recovery. So social media clearly, uh, you know, um, is seen from a CMO's per, uh, from a CEO's perspective as being the responsibility of the chief marketing officer. And the whole point here is to use social in a way to continue to further and and, and enhance the overall company experience. Yeah, and I would even say because this is a little bit of an older article that maybe that's even just uh, evolving technologies. Maybe it's not even social media specifically. Number six. A business strategist. So again, in hospitals, sometimes, if not with some organizations, even exclusively in the strategic planning department. But you know, in some organizations, marketing plays more of a role of that. And remember, we're talking about marketing, not advertising. Like even in my own mind, I have to still remind myself this is not about placing ads necessarily. You know, a business strategist. Um, you know, you really are. You know, a partner within the organization. You know, and trying to figure out short term, long term, what are, what are we doing, and what's needed today, and kind of where do we need to end up in X amount of years. Yeah, aligning business strategies with plans to execute on those strategies in the market. And that's something that is, I I would say, fairly new to the marketing table in in hospitals right now. That is something that traditionally has been relegated to more of the strategic planning department. Oh, okay. Here's a great one. A capable crisis manager. That's number seven on the list, right? This is really a, a person that's able to understand where there's a potential crisis and or respond to that crisis, uh, you know, using whatever tools, whatever they might be. It, it could be natural disaster crisis in hospitals. We have that a lot. It could be, you know, PR crises. It could right. be a variety of different things that occur. But to be able to understand all the tools and ways to quickly respond to those uh, issues and and shape them so that they help support that business. Uh, number eight, a data analyst. Much like crisis, much like some of these other things on this list, the advent of social media, the advent of new technologies has widened that space out for the marketing professional in the sense that, you know, there really wasn't that much to report on. You got some numbers from wherever you were placing advertising, they would like give you a report. This billboard saw X amount of thousands of cars a day. Uh, And that's all you had. That's all you had to report. Well, now there's uh, up 10 million analytic platforms and things you can buy and plug in and measure and anyway um we won't get into all that but you know the idea that you've got to understand 
the data, the financial data, just like the very first point on this list, uh, all the way down to the marketing uh, data. Number nine, a customer advocate. Voice of customer. Mm -hmm. Being the person at the C-suite table that is customer-centric. There's a good quote in here from Forrester that says that providing a filter for the rest of the executive team on not only how the brand is performing, but also what innovations, cultural decisions, discussions, and new technologies or strategies are on the horizon, and how could they potentially impact the business. Really what you are is you're, you're representing the customer. You're, you're wearing that hat of the customer at the table. And uh, number 10, finally, a motivator-in-chief. Mm. So, you know, you've got to be the one uh, out there, tip of the spear, whether that's good or bad, uh, but uh, leading some of these uh, initiatives and trying to get people moving in the same direction uh, so you can get some things accomplished. Because most of the stuff that we talked about, you know, analytics, maybe not so much, but most of it, you know, you're going to require a fair amount of help. You know, they're going to have people from the clinical side. Uh, you're going to have people from business operations, patient experience, uh, or patient advocates, or whatever they are within your organization, uh, et cetera. There's there's lots of lots of different things there that needs to be pulled together. So that, if you think about that list of 10, 10 things, again, from 2011, right, that was mm-hmm. listed, that's our expectations that a CEO as a chief marketing officer reflect it back on how we see most marketing organizations. And I see that, you know, if we're honest with each other, there's potentially some opportunities in what we're doing to address all those. But what's hard, though, if you look at if you talk about all that, Reed, I think that, you know, it's often we often ask ourselves, well, how do we do that? How can we meet that demand? Well, and where did the demand come from? Again, the demand came from the fact that, you know, so much of the technology, you know, again, probably driven a lot by social media, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. those types of things in the in the mid 2000s, you know, really drove us to a place that we kept saying, hey, we can do it smarter, we can do it smarter. And then everybody goes, OK, oh, all right. Well, hang on a second. Let me let me figure out how to do that now. And so that's that's kind of where the demands come from, uh, and it and it's caused us. You know, we keep saying, well, what's the ROI of a billboard, and da 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 da, and all those types of things. Well, we're now at a place where we've heard the term digital first or digitally mature organizations. You've seen some things, uh, but the most wired list uh, among hospitals and some of those types of things. And so, this idea of digital and technology is what is on the top of everybody's mind. And what right. kind of drives uh, decision makers in the C-suite down paths of what we should be doing and what we uh, want to be doing. And then obviously from a consumer perspective, what we what we expect, because that's what we do in our daily lives with every other interaction. And the thing about this, you know, this transformation, this digital transformation or digital first or digitally mature, however we're calling it, right? It's all coming together. And I think that what's, what um, in, in hospitals... When they look at transformation, they start to realize that all of these things that were mentioned above and of that list of 10, right, four or five of them are directly related to digital. But transformation to an organization, to a marketing organization is more than just based on technology, right? It's not looking at just, oh, we're going to now start doing more Facebook ads or <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going right. to make sure everything gets up on the website and, and, and um, we're going to use CRM. As we talked about in the very first episode of this podcast, for those of you who want to go way back in, in the annals of our, of our podcast library and pick that one up, we talked about, you know, this is actually impacting so many things. It, it's technology. Yeah, sure, it's technology, but it's also process. It's 
people. It's the data that we use and how we're using that data. And all of these things are really impacting. And I think one of the biggest inhibitors is that this is a mind shift among people within the hospital to start to look at marketers a little bit differently. It's a cultural thing. How do we get there? You know, ultimately, you know, as we kind of think through all this, you know, we've talked about uh, some of those things. But, you know, where does that where does that leave us? In many organizations, what they do is when they look at transformation, they start to look inwards at how they're structured themselves at their people. There was a report from Sloan Deloitte that says people that are starting or organizations are starting to adapt the sort of digitally mature mindset. They implement systematic changes in how they organize and develop their workforces, the people and the structure of those people, the processes that they use to really nurture a sort of digital minded cultures and and experiences within their organization. Now think about that. It's not just how do we be better on Facebook or Twitter to engage our audiences. They're talking about how can we use digital to to maybe motivate all of our employees to become better advocates? How do we use digital tools like uh, intranets or, 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 or technologies to enhance innovation to improve the way we we transform the way we deliver clinical care. And, and again, we're not trying to discount the idea of Facebook ads. That may be the outcome of some of bigger conversations. Just don't start there. That's not that's not where the discussion starts. That may be how it gets executed ultimately or a piece of how something gets executed. Mm-hmm. And you look at some of the organizational development things, you know, shift change handoffs, hiring right. and firing practices, New employee orientation, 30, 60, 90 day uh, evals for new employees. You know, how does technology work its way into, you know, all of those elements? So if you think about it, there's some major changes going on across all companies, all industries to become more digitally mature. Looking at improving digital strategies, uh, uh, the survey that I I mentioned before, 40% of those respondents are saying their company is improving their digital strategy and innovation processes. 23% are looking to recruit better people to their organization that are more mature and in the way they manage things. And in particularly in leadership roles, managing sort of the business around there. And then 13% of the companies, they really are focusing on some of their, their capabilities, like the, the the actual specific, are we really using the right tools to, to meet the needs of what the new future marketing organization needs? And so an interesting piece in there, which I think mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, what we're talking about here is a culture shift. It, it's really hard to combat the idea of hiring and retaining good people. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do that, um, you can figure out the rest of it. If you get the right people in your organization, the other stuff is is probably pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember, you know, when I was hiring up a digital team when I worked at Northwell, talking to people that were UX architects and people that are very sophisticated niche capabilities, and realizing that they're interviewing at multiple different organizations. And I would actually ask them in the interview process, why would you want to come work for? hospital because we're stoically conservative in the way we approach things there's so many hurdles and challenges and quite frankly the more we can attract people like that to our industry it's going to be great but we have to revolutionize our culture the way we are addressing problems Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Because of all of this, we have a roadmap. You know, we have the ability and the way to be successful. So, you know, the the easiest way to be successful is probably to know what the expectation is so you have something to work against, right? And I think it might be good for us to kind of walk through a framework that we found from an article on Forbes that would maybe give sort of a a shining light to those marketing leaders that are ready to transform or, or just looking for some guidance maybe down their path. Number one, align the company on the value of being customer centered and delivering great experiences. You know, we always kid about like, um, you know, I can get people to fill a form out or call a phone number or whatever. The worst thing you want to do is market a bad experience or a bad product. Taking that, that, that role of aligning the company around the customer, in this case, the patient. And sometimes it's really hard to do. Um, number two is developing segments and personas to guide your efforts. We have a whole episode on, on personas. And, and this is not meant to be like, go back and listen to our back catalog. But the <laughs> point is, though. Wait, but, but do go back and listen to the back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> but segments and personas really help, as we talked about before, to uh, help us understand our customers better. And maybe it's not an individualized approach to understanding our customers. But um, these segments, these personas, give us a good target to focus and try things out on and improve that experience and repeat and rinse and repeat and rinse. Uh, number three, map the end-to-end decision journey for each persona. Uh, again, that would be episode one if you want to go back and listen to journey mapping. But no, I mean, it's, you know, it's a logical progression. You know, find out, you know, sketch out who you're trying to find and then uh, understand what their experience is at your organization. This really leads to processes, and we haven't done an episode on on just process improvement. Read, maybe we will. Um, But really what this is is about is figuring out where all those different intersections are with other lines of business and developing processes to align across those different departments and then start to improve and orchestrate the way you're doing it. A good example is patient access and marketing. Uh, Obviously, you're going to be driving demand, that could be a touch point. How do you align those two activities better? Number five, envision what experiences could be both possible and mutually beneficial, then determine how to get the enabling data. I don't know. I mean, that's really interesting. It's like saying, what if, having the what if question when you're planning your, your strategies, right? What if we could offer this online? What if we could make this better? Not be held back like what we can do today, but really look at what the future state would be or what the best state could be and then work your processes, work your technologies, work everything to support that or move closer to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's good for everybody. Number six, prepare and prioritize infrastructure and experience development roadmap and secure financial and talent resources. That's a lot of big words. Um, (laughs) 
Well, I, I think just the idea that it, it, at the end of the day, you can't do everything. So what's going to make the biggest impact? What can you get done? What can you not get done? You've got to have some way to kind of weight all of those things, both from um, you know a blue sky perspective, just you know ideally, what would you want to do first? Uh, but mm-hmm. then also, you know, what's realistic uh, and what do you, what can you support? You know, talking about CRMs, for example, I think we talked about this. Uh, don't just go buy a CRM if you don't have a way to support the execution of a CRM. Right, exactly. And and creating that roadmap is really important. I think a lot of people want to have things happen right away or see it and say, how can we change this all so quickly? You can't do that. So you have to develop that sort of that roadmap. It's very important. And right behind that, too, is like implement number seven is implement key applications and a data management infrastructure. What's interesting about that is, Reed, it addresses two things. One, key applications, sort of like the baseline. What we need in order to get the measurement and the data that that we require to understand how well we're doing. And then data management infrastructure, that puts a heavy prioritization on using data to manage what you're doing. Not just go out and do a marketing effort and then see where everything else is at. It's using data to actively become an intelligent part of your planning and your execution. Number eight, build and manage personalized experiences and campaigns across key touch points seamlessly. Again, this goes back to a little bit of the persona and journey mapping and you know some of those types of things. But people want to feel like you're specifically addressing them. You know, this is where a lot of marketing personalization comes in, marketing automation platforms, things like that. But again, what are those key touch points? Uh, how are you going to provide a personalized experience across those? Uh, and make sure that you know everything's woven together. Uh, number nine is create a cross-discipline analytics framework to optimize the system, and then test and learn. And that's uh, again fancy words to say, create a measurement strategy, create a mm-hmm. discipline around what you're doing to make sure that you're testing the system, you're optimizing it, engage in A/B testing. Test, learn, repeat. Make sure that what you're doing is actually informing future development of what your what your marketing efforts might be. And I think that's the second time we say cross-discipline in this list. Uh, Number 10, prepare policies for the organization to manage privacy, legal, and quote-unquote creepiness issues related to uh, customer data. And I think this is important. And obviously, there there are overarching ones in healthcare and probably some other regulated industries like uh, finance, you know, or what have you. So there's a lot of it that, that honestly, that's probably already in place, but just making sure that those uh, cover what it is that you're doing. And, and most importantly, that everyone involved uh, understands what those are, where they are, what they say, what you can do, not do. And then, I hate to even say this, but just use some common sense. Yeah. You know, when, when you're... When you're going through this, you know, if somebody's coming to your website looking at weight loss surgery, don't don't send a bariatrics ad following them around the Internet. You know, that's probably not. That's right. You know, even if it's legal, it's probably not a good idea. You know, that's so. Right. So that's a high level roadmap. And quite frankly, you know, it, it doesn't have any specific tactical implementations, but that's not bec- that's because it's not tactical. A framework is gives you the strategic direction and the milestone that you need to take. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, Reed, when we think back and, and a lot of people listening in today might be going, yeah, this is all great. This all sounds great. It's utopian, right? But I, I think one of the biggest challenges that, that marketers face today, 
and why they're not getting invited into the C-suite discussions that they should be part of is because we're still dealing with top-down organization that builds these silos to execute on. That's how we traditionally have built our health systems. I think we need to figure out ways that we could break down the silos. We use that term a lot and talk about that a lot, but I think that's the only way we get ultimately to where we need to be. Unfortunately, that doesn't fit real well in an organization chart, but you know, I think you've got to go become really good friends with HR, legal, compliance, ITNS, many, if not all of, you know, the clinical leaders, uh, chief medical officers, you know, et cetera. Because otherwise, I, the, the experience in, includes all of that. You know, there's right. different audiences, obviously, uh, that right. probably heavily weight some of those groups over others. But we've got to be able to figure out how do we work with those folks to create a, an experience. I think most of the time it's just silos are naturally the way we gravitate towards executing a lot of work. And we all have a lot of work on our hands. But I, I guess the hope here is looking across the organization, starting to develop sort of more marketing as more strategically aligned with multiple different areas. And keep in mind, I'm not saying that you have to go out and start doing much more. You want to build relationships, right? This is what it is. It's not doing more work. It's building more relationships with people. There's an appetite there at the organization to embrace that and to see you as more strategic and more aligned with the larger strategies. Touch point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight! All right, here we are. Touch point, touch counterpoint uh, portion of the podcast. And uh, today talking a little bit about the evolving expectation of the marketing leader uh, whatever that that title is, I don't know uh, for all organizations, but the evolving role and evolving expectations primarily from the C-suite. So today, Chris and I are going to argue about should marketing or the marketing leader specifically report directly to the CEO? Yes, I'm going to argue definitively yes. Marketing should be reporting directly to the CEO because of all of the things we talked about here. Marketing used in the truly sense of marketing, not just advertising and promotion and, and, and being the brand police. If you're using marketing in a strategic way to help execute on business strategies, it should report directly to the CEO because there is great information and input that the marketing team could provide to help shape that CEO's uh, expectation of the organization. Uh, well, okay. So I think it has a lot to do with organization size. The smaller the organization, the more likely they do report to the CEO because quite honestly, who else are they going to report to? I think as the organization gets larger, uh, that makes less sense uh, because of the role that marketing plays. Uh, maybe it falls more into operations and so does strategic planning and experience and some of those types of things. Um, so I think just to definitively say they should report into the CEO or the CEO's uh, office, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get there. But Reed, I mean, even just then, you just pigeonholed marketing into just being execution and operational related. 
as we talked about, marketing is designed to be innovative. It's designed to help understand and be the voice of the customer. Who better should know the voice of our patient population of all of our different customers than the CEO of the health system? And therefore, that leader of the marketing department, hopefully the chief marketing officer, regardless of the size, should be a part of the C-suite, should be sitting at the table. And I'm not saying they need to be in front of the CEO every day, but they should certainly be involved with and informing the CEO on what they're observing, what they're tracking, what they're learning. Well, sure. Yeah, they can they can let the CEO know all those things. But I mean, let's okay. So let's go back. Put them under the CFO. You know, talking about growth and um, you know some of those types of things. I go back to our our podcast episode twenty, where Aaron Fox his tip was to put the marketing department under the CFO. That's not a bad idea either. Again, I don't think taking these ideas, taking this into the CEO's office is necessarily the best idea, especially as the organization gets larger and more complex. Taking the marketing department into the CFO, with all due respect to Aaron Fox, is so short-sighted. <laughs> so short-sighted. What you can, what possibly could happen is suddenly you're playing a numbers game, and marketing has to meet certain financial thresholds. And not that's not to say they shouldn't be fiscally responsible. They should be. We talked about that today. But what if the company is going down? What's the first thing a CFO is going to do if you're in the red? They're going to start cutting out cost centers, and a CFO sees marketing as a cost center to the organization, whereas a CEO can see marketing as being more of a strategic investment in the growth of your organization, in the the ability to get that voice of the customer back. Well, just because you're under the CEO, that mean marketing's not going to. I mean, uh, the CFO is not going to cut marketing. That's not going to save you just because you're in another part of the organization. That just means you have the wrong CFO. Clearly, you haven't worked in a hospital lately. Of course not. (laughs) I mean, marketing budgets get hit every year because they're not, you know, they're considered a cost center. Well, sure, but it's not because they're under the CFO. (laughs) Well, Reed, I'm going to go one step further. I think that a CEO of a hospital should come from a marketing background. How's that? Hmm. I can't imagine a scenario that that happens. If you're really, truly the voice of the customer, you're being innovative, you're doing all these things that the CEO anticipates of you, right? The financial steward, innovator, customer, uh, understanding the customer, being crisis person, understanding the technology. What better candidate for a health system CEO than a great experienced chief marketing officer? There. Glove thrown down. Well, for all the recruiters listening, I'm available. Um, happy to entertain any CEO opportunities that you may have. Um, I mean, no, that sounds great. That sounds great in theory. I just, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. It's just not going to happen. I don't know, Reed. I am just saying this, is that a chief marketing officer is such a critical, or the marketing capability is so critical to an organization that it has to have the upper level reporting or it's going to be sort of sidelined. It's not going to be invited to the table around strategic planning or clinical decisions. It's always going to be the people that go clean up the mess afterwards. And we Mm -hmm. don't need to clean up messes anymore. Yeah, I can get behind that. (laughs) (laughs) 
a lot of people lately read have said that we've been getting a little soft with our arguments so i i really had to go out there on this one i i actually think it would be interesting to entertain a chief a good experienced chief marketing officer to run sort of like a larger organization i'm wondering you know i obviously everybody collectively in the healthcare industry hospital industry would probably you know throw up in their mouth a little bit when they hear that because it just seems so counterintuitive to what we do but i i think it would be interesting to see uh, a person that actually has really good skills around marketing to be more of strategically aligned at a high level in a hospital system All right, so we're back with the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast, and today I'm really fortunate to have with me Greg Harrelson from Memorial Hermann down in Sugarland, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about his background, but really fortunate is, is Chris and I have talked through this episode today and talked about the perception of marketing and the expectation of marketing relative to the C-suite and the CEO, but you know, kind of how that role's evolved. I thought this was a, a great opportunity to get perspective of somebody that's been doing this for a while. So, Greg, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Very honored, Reed. I appreciate the time. You got into this hospital administration world around 2000. Mm-hmm. And so give everybody just a quick picture of kind of what, since then, okay. you know, where you've been, kind of what you've done, the roles you've played, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um my my career has really centered around operations for the most part, um, which means a lot of different things um, in healthcare. And in 2000, I was, you know, really cutting my teeth on the for-profit side um, with HCA. I was working on one of their larger hospitals in Dallas, um, transitioned to one of their smaller facilities um, in the Las Colinas area in Irving, mm-hmm. where I was also, in, you know, deeply into operations and then over into an operations role in Fort Worth, where I was at their tertiary facility there in Fort Worth. So really enjoyed that those opportunities, um, had multiple opportunities to work on construction projects, which involved growing the operations, growing OR, right. um, growing the lab, growing the inpatient capacity and things of that nature, built out patient imaging centers in, in Irving, um, and also had the same opportunity to do that as a as a new um, administrator at, over in Dallas. So a lot of different types of experience cool. in the construction world as well as just managing um, the, all the aspects of, of operations from a labor perspective, from an expense you know, side yeah. of, of things and that sort of thing. Um, where, we really, where I really began to get more educated on the marketing side was probably in um, Irving. And I was at Las Colinas Medical Center as we were doing more um, outside of the hospital. And in a small hospital, you're doing a lot of different things, wearing a lot of different hats. <laughs> Had a good sure. marketing director for sure, yeah. but... But we're constantly we're constantly collaborating on how do we how did we get our name out from in that small facility sure. where we didn't have a lot of rooftops yet and it mm. was much more you know direct mail um, that kind of thing there mm-hmm. was a lot more advertising in magazines there there was limited exposure on the web you know of course you got you know a, a website and things of that nature yeah. but as far as really getting your name out but there, at that, at the that social po- media platforms yeah, weren't there yeah they didn't we're talking exist two thousand two. To 2005 was my time frame there. Yeah, um, so early see. 2000s, not a lot of social. Uh, the web that did exist was kind of an online brochure exactly. for the most part. Exactly. There, there really wasn't much of a two-way street exactly. relative to people 
you know, rating and mm-hmm. reviewing and Yelp and health <laughs> grades and, right. you know, Google reviews and all those right. kind of things just didn't really exist. You knew those things were coming as you were reading about those things were uh-huh. coming out, you know, uh-huh. that, and that there was the, the leapfrog initiatives were coming and some of these things were going to be published online, but no one knew exactly how that was going to, yeah. to work. Yeah. So now as you've moved into a CEO role and even, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's even evolved here at Memorial Hermann, you right. know, to some degree over the last couple of years, how have you seen kind of the expectations? So some of it was community relations, right. branding, you know, more advertising, not really, mar- you know, marketing as we think about it now, uh, internal communications, maybe collaboration right. with HR, stuff like right. that. How has that evolved? To, you know, kind of where you sit now in a bigger mm-hmm. system. Uh, not that HC is not a big system, but you're in a big system in Houston, Local. Yeah. and uh, you know, locally owned, right. probably some centralized services and things like right. that. How, how has that right. you know kind of changed the perception of what marketing is and does? Well, that's the other piece of it. I think that's an excellent point when you when you contrast. Um, a large not-for-profit community-owned health system with a with a larger HCA type facility. We don't have to go into great depth there, but there are some some different challenges um, that we faced in HCA where we weren't seen as one big system, even though we mm. we worked in many ways as a system, but we didn't brand sure. our hospitals as a as a system. Yeah. Um, and now in the DFW area, they're now doing yeah, they've that. done that here recently right. in the last year or so. But learning and really being excited about being a part of a big brand in a large community has, has been it's been fun to see how Memorial Hermann has done that. And even over the last five years, obviously with so much change, um, we've we've evolved even within that la- the, ne- the last five years and how we do how we do marketing and advertising. Still doing a lot of what you talked about, a lot of community relations, a lot of chamber type um, exposure events and mm-hmm. sponsorship, and you know it really becomes a. a, a PR, um, sure. so that you you are known that you are you're serving the community. You're out mm-hmm. there supporting the community that supports you. Yep. And I think it's important that we continue to do that, yeah. and not just step away and look at, at at the digital opportunities that exist. But as it relates to those, as we've opened new centers, as we've opened urgent cares and convenient care centers and um, outpatient imaging centers, it's been much more important for us to be. In, in the social media platforms and to get our word out through yeah. through those because where we can connect to a million people in Memorial Hermann through a Facebook page, right. now we can launch hey, a Sienna Plantation Convenient Care Center is now open and the people in those zip codes yeah. see that, pull that up and realize yeah. that there's a new location for them yeah. to come into and really leveraging that technology has been exciting to see uh-huh. um, something that we couldn't have envisioned you know even you know 10 years ago or less yeah. so that's been exciting for us and then taking those um, all the analytics that you know I know you mm-hmm. work with a lot mm-hmm. and and working with the different ways to how people are consuming that information and being able to yeah. see that in such a detailed level that you can get even more uh, yeah. prescriptive and pointed in, into how yeah. you're going after the right customers. So, so l- let's talk about that. So marketing, um, not that we're not doing advertising, and maybe in these cases uh, some of it's uh, paid opportunities on Facebook mm-hmm. or other social right. channels or, or just other digital paid. You know, Again, not that you're not doing billboards and pieces in print still and things like that because there are places for that, obviously. But how is marketing playing a role kind of on the, on the front end of that on this more the strategic and planning side yeah there's a lot of that as as we look at um like we talk the demographics of our area and ex, and understanding those mm. things and and putting in services that match more of those 
yeah. types of demographics, right? So when we look at our um, the growth of our population, it's just like most right now with the baby boomers aging, it's those 65 and older who are growing the fastest in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also look at, uh, you know, gender specific opportunities around our pelvic floor program. And what are we doing? We're, we're creating services that match some of the needs of our community and then taking the word out a little bit more from an advertising perspective. But I think exploring what is going to happen and being more predictable is helping us with not the marketing aspects, but then also translating that into future advertising. Um, And as we get bigger here, we know that the more services that we offer, it's going to appeal to a different type of demographic. So as you think about that, and marketing is playing a role in identifying where and who's where and who's consuming right. what, what types of media they're consuming at what rate, right. and you know some of the in the conversion mm-hmm. points. It's it's interesting because we've wanted we the marketing folks have wanted to be at the table for so long. Well, now there's this opportunity because we because of the shift to digital, we have more analytics and we have something to bring to the table now. Now the flip side of that is uh, now we have to be accountable for that, right? right? right. So before right. it was like, well, yeah, it's an outdoor board. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I guess it's working. And now it's you know kind of black and white. And so we're on the hook mm-hmm. in a lot of cases for actual growth, right? And, and so, but what's the expectation from a you know an analytic or reporting standpoint or, or making sure that these things are actually paying off I mean, are those some of the conversations that are that are happening they are and we're you know we're always as we look at um, the economics of healthcare, care we're, we're always trying to make sure that any money we're investing is creating some return mm-hmm. and marketing's no different um, we look at sponsorships we look at opportunities to work with kids in the community and sponsoring um, local teams and all of that stuff is on the table and looking at are those things creating value beyond just what we need to do to support the community and being a good partner with the community? Right. Um, there's certainly a threshold that makes sense uh-huh. to do that, and there's a threshold that that you you look at to to make sure that you're getting a certain amount of return on that. And right. and so that accountability exists now. What we're not seeing quite yet, at least if we're seeing it, it's not. I'm not, I'm not seeing it coming through um, at my level. Is that signing of agreements with that shared accountability? in terms of a, of a marketing mm. type agreement or something of that nature. Now, that may be happening at larger, at upper levels of our system, not seeing that just yeah. yet. But I think that that's exciting for some of us and maybe not as exciting for others. So. <laughs> yeah. but Before I, I could it, just kind of do my job <laughs> right. and go home and nobody right. knew whether it was successful <laughs> or not. Right. Part of that is, you know, marketing folks have always said, uh, you know, once we have a, a bad flu season or volumes are soft, Boom, marketing, first thing to go. It's just it's just a cost center. We're just spending money. Yeah. And now we, we have an opportunity. Um, again, it brings with it accountability, but we have an opportunity to show some sort of growth mm-hmm. or, or be able to take credit, if you will, right. for certain initiatives because we do have the ability to track some of that right. stuff. Yeah, and, the, and you know, we, we look at various locations and we can see where marketing's working very well or the type of marketing mm-hmm. or advertising we're doing is working really well in a, in a community. And we can see the flip side um, mm-hmm. when that maybe that same approach isn't working as well in another. And that's a that's something that's been very eye opening for us um, that you would think, you know, putting out a certain you know paid Facebook ad or right. something of that nature. 
it's driving business over here, why isn't it driving business over here? And those are things we still don't quite understand sometimes, but it's exciting to know that we're, we're going that direction yeah. um, with the amount of information that's available to us that we can continue to dig deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. Well, you know, at least the good part is, is um, it's pretty easy to change and Right. You know, do a different one. It's much harder to pull down a billboard and then go put exactly. up a different one over here. Exactly. And I hate to always go back to, yeah, I always rip on billboards. But um, <laughs> uh, but there, there's obviously a great yeah. place for those. But it's just that, like, uh, you know, you're running digital ads. You can do A-B testing. You can run a bunch of variations. Something exactly. doesn't work. You can just shut it off. Exactly. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Much, um, much lower cost. A lot more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Most folks that listen to this podcast are in, you know, the marketing, communication, strategic planning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe ITNS a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, new technologies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the in the seat that you sit in, you know, running organizations both operationally and, you know, now as a CEO and, and having oversight, what, you know, what is your, a couple of your recommendations for those folks out there that, you know, want to make sure that they're providing value to their organizations mm-hmm. as a marketing or communications professional. I mean, what, what should they do? Is it, is it sitting down with their C-suite and trying to figure out yeah. know, how, how do they insert themselves, knowing that ultimately that they're going to have to be accountable, but how, you know, what, what are some of your recommendations on, on what you know, folks should be doing? It, I think that's an interesting question. It, it, for me personally, I... I am a data-driven guy, so I like to I like to sit down with my marketing folks and really see and understand and break the data apart a little bit so that we, getting back to your earlier point, can really see where we're making the most difference and where we can develop a plan together uh, versus just here's, I'm walking in with this plan and it's going to work. Right. I want a few layers underneath that to see how we got there. So making sure that it can be explained and our approach can be understood maybe is obvious to anyone, but for me in particular, I'm, I'm not just an easy sell when it comes to, oh, this is what we've put together. We, we, Don't you like it? Yeah. Um, or we've always done this. Or, yeah, or yeah, this or has whatever. always worked, or this the previous guy really liked this, or girl liked this, and, and this is sure. what we're doing. Not that, you know, I, I may say, absolutely, let's go run with it, but I want to understand, you know, a few layers beneath that, why we got there, how we got there, and how do we know it's working? Or... How do we know it's going to work if we've never tried it before? We don't always know that. And there's always an inherent risk to those types of decisions. Mm-hmm. But to your other earlier point in getting where I where I was with, with marketing early in my career was it's really about the position. So on the healthcare side, it was always, well, why would why would we spend a whole lot of marketing dollars when if we just work with our doctors, we know that we'll get the patients that we're looking for and they'll bring us the patients. Mm. And now working in a larger health system with um, or a large health system that's really just locally owned, that brand, that brand is important. And mm-hmm. being able to have a trusted brand in the community that we can really lean into is mm-hmm. is been great. And then we can do some different creative things off of that as we open new locations or as we expand or open a service line. And so I want my marketing people to be able to understand the strength of our brand and what we can do based on the inherent strengths of the organization and really push on those strengths and not to be so concerned about where we might have a deficiency or a, or a, or a minor weakness or something like that yeah. and take advantage of those things. Um, looking at analytics and looking at our demographics and looking at the growth of the rooftops in our community <laughs> and all the things that you guys are are so adept at um, and also see 
what are people buying? What are they spending their disposable income on? All those types of things that can help us track and trend um, how they're going to yeah. consume our, our marketing and advertising. That's interesting. And one thing that you said was, you know, knowing or defining, I guess, up front how we know if this was successful mm-hmm. or not. And that's something we probably haven't done a real great job with. So if the yeah. idea is we're going to go sponsor Little League baseball teams, knowing that we're not going to be able to tie incremental patient volume to that, what is the goal? What, why are we right. doing that? Right. You know, so is it okay to say, I don't know if this is going to work or not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think it's okay to say that. And I think it's okay to say, but this is, this is why I want to try it. You know, okay. I've got a gut feeling, I've got a hunch, I've got an understanding that I've lived in this community a long time, or I've seen this play out in another market, or whatever experience right. that particular person has that you wanted when you hired them, or that you value because you you assumed them under your leadership and they were here when you got here. Whatever it is that they bring in respecting and valuing their opinion is a huge part of, of, of mm-hmm. my leadership style and wanting to hear from people that know more than I do. And I'm trusting them to be the expert. So if they have a really strong feeling about something and I don't think it's just a completely off the wall idea, then absolutely, let's try it. And if again, back to your point, it's not as expensive as it once was to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. So we're not taking a huge financial risk. We're just gonna try something. Right. And if it plays out well for us, great. We're less into doing a lot, a lot of favors, right? Where we, this new magazine has come out, and they need our help to, to be yeah. successful, and they want us to take the inside cover or whatever right. it is. Right. We're less right. likely to do that now because we have so many cheaper ways to get the same yeah. information out more effectively. I'm not saying anything against print media because there's still a place for that. Sure. But we're doing less of that now, um, mm-hmm. and and being very targeted. To, to work with because we have to be. I mean, every every dollar is precious right yep. now, and we're all going through across across the healthcare industry across this country. We're all going through some some big changes mm-hmm. um, in how we get paid. So we we can't say we're responsibly working on ways to keep our costs down and then do some things that don't sure. make sense financially or don't yeah. provide that return. Yeah, and that's really where the marketing squeeze comes is. As you mentioned before, you know we have a bad flu season, or, or maybe we just have a lower Medicare rate across the board, right, you know, right, or, right. or we can't understand why acuity is where it is, or where where the revenues mm-hmm. have have gone exactly. We can't responsibly look at that and, and make decisions that are are inherently irresponsible. So, well, man, this was great. I appreciate the time. Uh, we could probably continue visiting. Certainly appreciate your been time. An honor. My really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you. Okay, hearing that music, now we know we're getting towards the end of the show. This is typically the section at the end of the show where the diehard listeners listen all the way through because they want to hear some of our recommendations and what we what we are liking this week, Reed. And so, do you have a good recommendation lined up? I do. Um, I, I enjoy gadgets, of course, but I also enjoy... Uh, things that are more of the uh, the old school gadget. So I've recommended some notebooks, some pocket knives, pens, things like that. Uh, this is something, uh, I'll have to find a link to something specifically to, for you to go look at it, but I, I would suggest that everybody needs uh, a buck slip. Do you know what that is? No, no idea. Um, so this is a piece of paper 
or a note card, if you will, that is about the size of a dollar bill. That's why it's called a buck slip. And normally you see them and they're turned more in portrait mode and they've got like a logo at the top. And it's just a place to, for like to, you to jot notes, you know, and people carry them around maybe in their coat pocket or something like that. Um, and it's just a good way to have a stack of those on your desk. Um, you know, I'm always writing stuff that I don't necessarily need to keep long term. Maybe I'm making a quick list of something. Maybe it's uh, I'm looking at some analytics. And I just want to jot something down real quick. It could be used for show notes for the podcast mm. or whatever. But a buck slip is something that, um, you know, I'm sure about any print shop could make for you uh, pretty, pretty simply. You could even just do like a a normal sheet of paper cut into thirds or something. But that is my recommendation. Everybody needs awesome. uh, buck slip. Buck yeah. slips. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, my recommendation is related to something that every hospital marketer in this country needs. Something that you never think about until you realize you don't have one near you. Um, something that's just critical. What do you think I'm going to be recommending, Reed? Ooh, uh, I don't know. This could could go a number of directions. Yes. Well, well, I I will tell you, and then you tell me what you're thinking about. For me, I am going to recommend the Ninja Coffee System. I got myself one of these. It's a coffee maker. Are you familiar with the Ninja Coffee Makers? No. Okay, so so a Ninja Coffee System. It's like a coffee maker, but Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit more advanced. They have uh, some. I mean, obviously, a coffee maker is a coffee maker is a coffee maker. NinjaKitchen.com. But basically, they're coffee systems or coffee machine makers, and a variety of different ones that you can get that can grind your coffee, can make your coffee. But we all need coffee. Is the point? Um, I have in my adult life. I am a consumer of coffee. You might say I have measured my life in coffee spoons. (laughs) And (laughs) I have personally gone through a number of different coffee machines in my life. And when I, the last coffee machine I purchased is one of the Ninja coffee systems. It's just a simple model. I got the, just a simple craft with the, you know, with, Mm -hmm. with the ability to do single serves or what have you. It has the ability to brew coffee. That's just normal. I have a craft that keeps coffee warm. You could brew a strong brew. I have the ability to, if I want to make iced coffee, it brews a much stronger kind of a concentrated coffee that's designed to be poured over ice. So the ice dilutes it so it comes really good um, interesting i have had this coffee system now or this coffee machine for uh, well over a year almost a year and a half now and this thing consistently always brews a really fine cup of coffee and um you know of all the different models i've used before this is one that i just strongly recommend there's a bunch of different models that you can get you can make they even have ones where you can get those little pods if you like the little pods and you pour your mm-hmm. coffee into the pod they're reusable um i, I use a reusable filter it's it's just great. So the Ninja Coffee System, man, I'm have to check that out. Check that yeah. out. Very cool. That's that is cool. Now I want to recommend. I want to re- uh, let people know though, when we make these recommendations in our show notes, we actually link to those recommendations, and I want to encourage you all to go ahead and check those out. They take you right to Amazon, and you know how that works. You know when you click on Amazon from our links, and you know you purchase something from Amazon, that might be a nice little little way to kind of contribute in your way to helping this podcast keep going yes absolutely that would be awesome good recommendations another good uh, another good podcast in the books and um yeah yeah this was great if you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about more tactical more philosophical strategy related whatever it is 
let us know about that. Uh, looks like we may have another live showing of the podcast, so more to come on that in the coming mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. Uh, when we can talk a little bit more about that. But if there's uh, something specific you'd like us to talk about uh, or even visit with your organization, just reach out to us and we'll be happy to uh, have those conversations. Uh, if you haven't, jump over to iTunes and subscribe. That would be uh, much appreciated. Uh, He is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week.